if all the kindergarten through fifth grade would make their way to the front here, and all those three-year-olds to five make their way to the back and prepare to meet with your uh, teacher this morning, you'll be going down with them. Um, can, I, can I make an introduction? For the first time, a little, little girl named Nellie Gallagher is here. And so uh, we've been thrilled to hear news, and now she makes her first appearance today. They're back at the back corner, and so there, oh, she's lifting her up. There's, there's Nellie Gallagher, yeah. This, this is the little one who's named after Nellie Smith. So yeah, isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? So Erica and Caleb are proud parents of, of little Nellie, so we're so thrilled that she's here and she's healthy. At least, at least Caleb is saying that she has good lungs, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're excited. That is neat. Um, there's, I've, I've performed a lot of weddings by now, you know, over, over several years. And uh, so I do some marriage counseling. I like to sit down with anyone that, that I'm going to, uh, to be helping them say those words, those promises together. And so I like to sit down with them, and, and there are a series of questions that, that I usually end up asking. I don't have them written down, but they're in my mind, and so they're important to me, and I think they reveal things about the couple. One of the questions that I like to ask is, have you had a fight? Have you had a fight? Have you had to work through uh, you know, an argument? And often, I, you know, I, I have varied answers a lot of times. Couples will say, no, no, we haven't, we haven't had a fight, which means that we are perfect together. You know, we work through things. And can I be honest with you, why, maybe why that, that question has been so important to me is because Linda and I pretty much started without a fight. We, did, we didn't have an argument or anything like that. And, and matter of fact, some resources that I've read since then is because there are sometimes young couples will have what you call rose-colored glasses. You familiar with that? It kind of shades and, 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 you know, maybe your high hopes don't allow you to possibly see some difficulties at first. So it's very easy for a young couple to have uh, these rose-colored glasses on. Therefore, man, we're avoiding all kinds of fights and, and things like that. But uh, I, I like to bring that up because Linda and I had a fight after we got married, okay? Matter of fact, I had to ask Linda, I said, do you remember that, that first fight that we had? I mean, it shook my world. I couldn't believe that she was not agreeing with me or that she found something wrong with me. I, I just couldn't believe it. And, and matter of fact, it was, I, I told her, I said, do you remember the fight? And, and she didn't remember it. Wasn't bad, right? But for me, it just shook my world. And, and I remember being so frustrated, and, and she seemed to have just the right words to speak. I couldn't find the words, which was really frustrating. So I walked out of the house. <gasps> I walked out of that, which probably made her even more mad. I walked out of the house and had to go think about it. I had to go process. had to go think through this. First of all, I had to get past that. I can't believe that we're having this fight. And, and so I, I think it might have been an hour. She didn't remember any of this. 
But anyway, so after an hour, while within that hour, I had to think through it. I mean, you had to process, had to put the words together. It, it took time and had to really think through every word that, that needed to be spoken to resolve this conflict. And so after an hour of thinking and, and stewing and, and, and being frustrated, I walked back into the house and I, I said the words that I put together, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You know, that, how hard was that? But uh, no, it was, there was more content than that that we had to work through. But we, we finally had to work through one of those difficulties. It would have been nice to have done that early on, taken the rose-colored glasses off and, and face it. Uh, <laughs> Corinthians. When we read through Corinthians, uh, there, there's something we realize yeah, how easy is it for people to enter into a church and think that everything, I mean, just think about everything you hear, right? This is where we gather to worship God. A people that we hear are to be loving each other and forgiving each other. And, and there ought to be this unity amongst us that, that it would be natural for us to perhaps come looking at the church with rose-colored glasses, Possibility? I, th I think there are some folks who come and have that perception. At least I've had a conversation with some folks who, who think, well, I, there's troubles, there's difficulties. But like I say, as we're going through the Corinthians, Paul is making it very clear that this church in Corinth is a troubled church. I mean, they're having difficulties. Already Paul's dealt with the divisions, right? Uh, hey, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. Man, they're creating divisions. And then last week, we dealt with something very difficult. There, there's someone who, who is involved openly with sexual immorality in your midst. You're not dealing with it. And, and today, it's the word dispute. Disputes. They're having arguments. They're having some real problems in their midst. And so, we're, we're open to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 6. I want, to, I want you to hear what Paul is saying. And then don't forget that, man, there's troubles in the church in Corinth. Verse 1. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? You need to stop and think about that for a little bit. And, and if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. Okay, so some of the troubles within the church that Paul is specifically is addressing is they're so bad that they are bringing up lawsuits. One brother is suing another brother or a sister or whoever. It's, it's the church's members that are suing each other. 
And Paul is saying, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. And he addresses that in this passage. I really believe there's a truth that, that we need to embrace today that, that's evident in this passage. And it's this, that we as a church, we cannot be overcome by reckless disputes. Yeah, okay, it's, I don't think uh, the church in Corinth is an anomaly. I mean, it's one time, oh, this is the only one. That throughout history, within churches, there has been disputes there's been trouble. There's been offenses and matters that, that we as a church need to take care of along the way. And I'll, ta- I'll address that as we go on. But uh, here's where we need to begin. First of all, take off the rose-colored glasses, okay? I understand that if Corinth had troubles, it's very possible that the first Christian church in Junction City might have some difficulties amongst its members. And so today, how do we handle that? How do we handle that? That's what we're looking at. Here's what Paul says. First of all, don't take them to court. Okay? Don't sue one another. I want you to hear that loud and clear. Don't sue one another. Paul actually says that you keep that matter within the body. That, that's his solution. Let me begin here. That We always talk about how the church, the church is very much like a family. I mean, not just like a family. Paul addresses uh, the Corinthians by saying what? Brothers and sisters. A brother who's a brother. I, it, it is very much family. We are united. They're, 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 matter of fact, we are united through blood. It's through Jesus' blood that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Isn't that right? Absolutely. And, and so I will tell you that, that as we raised our children, and, and, but we probably look good in public. We especially look real good right now. Right? And, and so uh, what, what happens now is, is, man, you think, wow, Robert's always had it all together. We were messy. Families are messy, right? I remember punishing my boys. I could remember times, and you know Lindsay Landreth needed it a lot. Yeah, that child just daily we had, no, no, that's, I'm, she's not here. That's why I'm taking advantage. But anyway, but, but hey, there was, there was troubles, you know, we had with our teenagers, with our children, and, and they had troubles between themselves, conflicts, and, 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 and along the way, guess what we did? We dealt with it. Uh, we, we dealt with it. We talked about how it was important to deal with it honestly. What's, what's the trouble here? What's the real trouble? Sometimes there's a core problem. Like it wasn't even something to do with brother or sister. It was something because I, I, I really had a bad day at school. And these are the troubles. And so being able to communicate was important to our family. And, and the whole foundation of it was set upon, man, we love each other. We love each other. We, we were united as family. We'd find time to sit around the table and, and talk and communicate. That was important for the days that were difficult. And, and the church is any different? I don't think so. So, so I, I think it begins here that, that if there is a conflict, an offense, if I'm offended by somebody because of something said or something that's done, I, I should be able to go to you and, and talk to you about it. In the same way, uh, again, openly, honestly, and, and, and in love, be able to communicate that and, and let you know, man, I was really hurt by that, and be able to, to solve that problem. But what about the, the larger offenses? Matter of fact, I want to add this to it. If, if we're not taking care of things like that, what are we doing? Uh, the possibility is what we're doing is harboring bitterness. 
We're harboring bitterness, and, and then all of a sudden we get this sour attitude all the time. And it's towards your family. It's towards the family of God. So it, it is something that we need to deal with openly and honestly. Now, when it comes to a, a, a greater problem, a difficulty, here's what Paul says. If it's something that cannot be resolved, maybe something that needed some restitution. You know, something was broken. My stuff was broken, and you're responsible well, I didn't break your stuff. You know, it was broken when I got it. You know, so, so when it, and, and it can't seem to be resolved, Paul says, do not take it to court. Or do not take it to an unbeliever. That's, you know, creating a lawsuit, and I'm going to take it there uh, to the courtroom for him to decide. And he says, don't do that. And, and he, I, I love, you know, it's interesting to see how, why he says not to do that. He said, don't do that because you are, you are just going to be judging the world. You, you as kingdom people are going to be judging the world. And not only that, you're going to be judging angels. Now, honestly, man, that, that blows my mind. And I, I have a difficult time understanding that myself. I do think that, that we, as we go through persecutions or difficulties with the world around us, that, that when judgment is taking place, I think we're going to be right there and as a part of it. Kind of being, wit, you know, being, being witnesses to this, this is the way you lived, this is the way we were treated, and now God's judgment's coming down upon you, and we're going to be a part of that. Uh, that that's about the clearest. But, but even more so, I want you to understand this. We, I, I think it's saying we are kingdom people. We, we belong to him. We belong to his kingdom. And, and we, are, we are special. We're special. And so Paul says... Why are you taking it to unbelievers? You, you need to, if, if there is a dispute, such a dispute amongst you, take it, keep it within. I, I would say, suggest you, you take, well, I broke my, you broke my stuff, and no, I didn't break your stuff. You take that dispute to the leadership of the church. Or someone, someone amongst you who, who is uh, just honored and, and deserves that honor. You know, man, we both value. So the two parties in trouble say, okay, man, we can't figure this out. Uh, therefore, uh, let's do this. Let's take it before Bud Mooney. Let's take it before Bud Mooney. Bud Mooney is that wise guy, teacher, scriptures. We both love Bud, right? Everybody loves Bud Mooney. And, and so we're going to take it to Bud, and then whatever Bud decides when we lay out our case, you know, we're, we're going to let, we're going to accept that. And you both agree to that. You see how that can work? But I hope I didn't just get you a bunch of jobs. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, Bud was the first man I thought about. I said, yeah, I would go to Bud. I would, I feel. And then, then, you know, whether leadership or someone else, then, then, hey, I'll hear the cases. Then I'm going to pray about it tonight, and I'll give you my decision tomorrow morning. The guy say, okay, that's good. And we're keeping it within the body. I, I think that's what Paul is laying out here. If it gets to that point, we need to let, let someone find someone that you both agree with. Yeah, oh, man, uh, I could let Bud decide that, and I'll be good with whatever he says. Does that make sense? Uh, that, that's really what Paul is, is laying out here. Paul calls believers not to air out our differences or our troubles before unbelievers, before the ungodly, because we are kingdom people. And, and I do think this is at play in here. What a representation of the kingdom we belong to if we're taking it to unbelievers. Within a courtroom, 
uh, within the ungodly. What, what, what are we saying? You know, we, we are. I mean, matter of fact, we go back to the Corinthians at the beginning. Who are the Corinthians? Who are these believers? Hey, they are sanctified in Christ. They're chapter 1, verse 2. Where they are sanctified in Christ, people of God, people who are holy before God. And they're in the courtroom dealing with a dispute. It shouldn't be. Matter of fact, the second point I want to make is Paul, I, I think, actually uh, goes to the place of saying, you need to let it go. Oh, man, that, that's not easy sometimes, is it? Easy to let go of an offense or a difficulty? Second point is this. He, he, Paul directs that we be prepared to let it go for the sake of the gospel. Verses 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8. Here's what verse 7, here's, here's how it begins. He says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Well, what does that mean? You've been completely defeated already. Well, you're being self-centered. You're being self-centered. Also, you're being immature. Paul's already called him immature, right? One, one time. There's still an evidence of immaturity amongst you that you can't work out these troubles. So you're being immature. Matter of fact, you can even say you're just being downright sinful. Same thing. All three of those, I think, is, is evidence of sinfulness that's taking place. Quarreling and jealousy amongst you in chapter 3, you're immature. And, and now you're quarreling and, and immaturity is absolutely seen and it's identifying that you're still immature you're still immature and you need to matter of fact here's what Paul said I think this is very significant the rest of the way he says uh, you've been completely defeated already by sinfulness that's what sinfulness does to us it defeats us right then seven goes on it says why not rather be wronged let me repeat that because sometimes we don't want to hear these things why not rather be wronged why not rather be cheated? This is one of those places we like an eraser. And let's, let's just erase this part of the Bible. Bible. Oh, Paul, you surely didn't mean this, right? It goes on to say, instead, this is what you people are doing. Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. This is, this is the shaming that's going on. You're doing this to family. I, you know, I actually know that it takes place in families that, that family members find themselves in court and they're, they, they are suing one another. Are you familiar with that? And, and do you ever go, that is just absolutely shameful. I, I can't believe, I, I, I would just tear into my kids if one of my kids would sue another within the family. That, that would just, oh man, that's not the way you were raised. I would let them know. You, you, should, you, you should be able to figure this out. And that's Paul. Paul's what he's doing right here. But, but when it comes to our rights, oh no. When it comes to our rights, uh, you, you, you know, that's, that's kind of who we are. We're, we're Americans and we have our rights and our freedoms and, and don't take that away. And, and when, when our rights are infringed upon, how do we react? I want justice. I, I want justice. I want, I want the matter to be taken care of. I want you to pay for the damage that's done. That's my right. 
I want justice. Try to pray that sometime to God. Try to, try to say that to God. God, I want justice. Do, do you even know what that would mean? <laughs> You're toast. What you're asking for is go ahead and give me the condemnation that I so rightfully, justly deserve. Are you with me? Oh my goodness. God, don't give me your justice. What we want is your mercy. Are you with me? I want your mercy, oh God. And then then God even has this this thought of, hey, you ought to act in the same way. Maybe, maybe that's what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter 5, verses 39 through 42. Listen to, what Matthew, or listen to what Jesus says in Matthew. He says, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. These are difficult words. If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to them the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Wait a minute, it's my stuff. I worked hard for my stuff. I take care of my stuff. What are you asking me to do? And, and also, man, it's my pride. I, I don't want you stepping all over my pride. I don't want you breaking my stuff. But Jesus says, <laughs> give it up. Isn't that right? There's different thinking with people who have gone before God and said, we need your mercy. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We definitely don't want your justice. And then... then I believe God wants us to begin thinking in the same way, to live with mercy. And, and not so, so, so uh, uh, intentionally grabbing and saying, my stuff, my pride, because actually all that is trivial compared to what he's given to us. Isn't that right? Through his grace and mercy. He has absolutely given us so much more. And, 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 and then to think of my pride and my stuff, it really is trivial compared to what he has given to us. It is amazing what he's given to us. Matter of fact, Jesus is the perfect example how he came into this world. Uh, turning his back on everything else. Philippians chapter 2, if you want to look it up. And even going to the point, point of being a servant going to the cross for you and me he served he man he did it all upon the cross for you and i how amazing i want to finish with the last few verses here and not going to take a lot of time with because i believe the message is is pretty evident beginning in verse nine let me read through this then because he makes kind of the same point and and the point is this that that i feel like paul is just pounding home with them Hey, you need to live your identity in Jesus. Don't forget who you are. Your identity in Christ. And, and maybe, just maybe, the Corinthians are, are, are needing to be reminded their identity in Jesus. So here's what he says, beginning verse 9. He says, Or do you not know the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's why Jesus came. Those who are sinful those who are broken and, and rebellious against God, 
they are going to, uh, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They're just not going to inherit it. He says, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I believe as, as Paul was going through that list, he, he was aware of where the Corinthians came from. So predominantly, there are many within their midst that, that were involved in, the, sex, in, in the, the sins that were just mentioned here. Where would we go if we needed to mention our sins? You're, hey, let's just do this for a practice. Everybody just start shouting out your sinfulness, okay? No, I'm not. I'm just teasing. I'm, but, but man, if I, if I just think about my own, you know, deceitfulness, pride, you know, lust, I've got a long list, and we could go on and on. And and here's what Paul, I love verse 11. Here's what he says. Here's what he says to those Corinthians who now have in mind, this is what we were part of. This is what we're turning our backs on. This is what we don't want to return anymore. He says, and that is what some of you were. This is what you were involved in. This is the brokenness. This is where you, at one time, didn't deserve to inherit the kingdom of heaven. You had no part in it because you were involved in all this sinfulness. You're not a part of it anymore, is what he says. Oh, and then the sweet words. Man, follow with me what it says. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Remember, you needed justification because what you and I deserve is God's punishment. Are we fully understanding that? I mean, we were on the edge of destruction. We were were on that, man, death was even, Paul even describes death was what was working within us. But in Jesus, there's now life. We've stepped back. That's not even a part of my thinking anymore. I'm not headed to destruction. Are you with me? Uh, No longer am I thinking destruction and God's judgment. I'm thinking living his mercy and grace. And guess what? That ought to be evident amongst us. It ought to be working in it amongst us. And if, if we're still in immaturity, and, and if we're still dabbling in our sinfulness, then yes, the offenses are going to be a part. And as we add new people, they've got to learn what it means to be a part of the family and to grow. And, and to become what, what, what God wants us to be. It is not about ignoring how I'm offended. It is not about ignoring how someone has harmed me. It's not about that at all. It's about being open and honest and, and, and taking it to a brother or sister in Christ and saying, man, I was hurt by this. And, and, and healing wounds, not hiding wounds. I want to make sure Paul in nowhere in this passage says, hide your wounds. I, I think it is, let's try to work it out. And, and if, if all else fails, let it go. 
let it go. Man, what God has given to us in Jesus Christ, the, the opportunity to call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ is, is an amazing, amazing gift. Matter of fact, let's just face it, that's why you're here to worship, right? That's, that's why we are here to worship is because, <laughs> because you are washed, you are sanctified, and, and you are justified through Jesus Christ. That's good news. I, I'm going to do this differently today. Let's partake. Let's partake. Go ahead and, and get out your, your communion cup and, and go ahead and take that plastic off. Because I, I don't know a better verse than that verse 11. Are you with me? That, that helps us to approach this table. And, and that last point was this. Do not forget. Why do you think Jesus thought it was so important for the disciples, do this to remember me? Remember who you are. Every time I partake, I'm going to remember that I absolutely needed a Savior. And God absolutely provided a perfect Savior for you and I both. And so here we are today, and we're able to take this bread, which represents the body of Christ. And, and then we hear about that, I am washed, I am sanctified, I am justified through Jesus Christ, because he was nailed to the cross. Let's partake. He also took that cup. And again, there is a great reason for us to remember what Jesus has done for me upon that cross. It's in verse, verse 11. I am washed. Washed through that blood, right? I am washed. I am sanctified. I am justified. And it was through the blood of Jesus. Let's partake together.